if we're going to have revival and not just have something called a revival meeting, we're going to have to get a hold of some of them things. And there's, we're going to have to get real about this. This spring, God woke me up in the middle of the night with this hymn that's similar to the hymn that we sang, the last one, and it goes along with that song, and I can't get over this, and, and when I get over it too long, I need to spend some time and meditate on it, and I need to think about it, but I want you to, I'm going to read the first verse in the chorus to you, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain. For me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, should die for me. Amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, should die for me. We have to get a hold of that to do what they were just singing about. We have to get a hold of that to have revival. Just because we come to a revival meeting, and I've seen this, and I, I, this year I've traveled coast to coast, and there's uh, just about the or the southern Alabama to uh, we northern Idaho, and and not very far from Canada. But if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, I want to share my heart. I've been asking the Lord, I pray that God had sent laborers and God sending laborers to places. I minister sometime in places where there's, where there's no churches. We're starting a church on an Indian reservation in Nebraska where there's no church of any kind. There's 36 independent Baptist churches in the state of Nebraska. There's now 38 We've helped start two more. There's 35, 36 in South Dakota. Some of these towns don't have anything. You know, we so easily take for granted what we have. We do. Why is that? I ask God, God, what? What's the problem? Because the world's not the problem. The world's always been the way the world's been. It just changes. The problem is in the church house. And the answer's not in the White House. It's, it's here. And it starts behind this pulpit. It starts with me. It starts with your pastor. It starts with Brother Bob. It starts with the other preachers here. It starts with us Christians. But look here. The Lord showed me something. He showed me something even more with this. This afternoon, Mark chapter 6, and let's read here starting in verse 32. We know, don't just shut me off right away, we know this story. Many of us that's been in church, and especially down here, you, you know this story, the feeding of the 5,000, but I'm, I'm going to show you something or try to show you something, and I hope the Holy Spirit of God will, will show you something even greater and, and, and prick your heart and, and, and do a work, and I want to show you something that changed my life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 32, this is the story, Jesus and his disciples. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. They've just been working, 
we work, we're tired, we're, do, we're busy, all these different things. They were too. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Would it be, would it help us if we could, if we could truly get a hold of this that, you know, and we could be moved with compassion about the people out there that are lost, the people that are hurting, the people that whatever, there's, and, and not judge them in different things. I couldn't help, but this afternoon I was walking around and praying in the cemetery over here behind the church. I couldn't help but think. I wonder how many of those souls are going to spend eternity in hell. As the preacher was saying this morning. How many? I couldn't help but think that. But see, we have to have compassion for others. We have to have compassion. We have to have love the way Jesus loves. To be able to have compassion, to, to die to ourself enough. But you look here as we continue to read. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He, there's, the, notice the disciples are like us. They're always worrying about the things that really don't matter the most, right? Isn't that us? I mean, there, there's, uh, we, we worry about so many things, I included. He answered here, Jesus answered in verse 37, He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto Him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? You know how much that is? A penny worth was a full day's wage. That's a three-quarters of a year, two-thirds of a year wages to feed all them. That's what they're saying. They're looking at it in a carnal way, the way we would, the way, you know, from our standpoint, us doing it. This is, hey, you want us to take three-quarters of a, uh, two-thirds of a year's wages to pay for them? To pay for this. And here, look what Jesus says in verse 38. He said unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see, and when they knew, they say five and two fishes. Stay with me now. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks and by hundreds and by fifties. And when they had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. Think about how amazing that is. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes and that they did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. We don't know for sure. We just know how many men there was there. And look here in verse 45. So we, we know that and we know that story but this is giving context for the rest of this. In verse 45, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. While he sent away the people, 
And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. He had to get alone with his father. And when even was come, when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. There's so much other stuff here we could preach on, but we'll keep moving. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him when were troubled, and he immediately talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. I'm thankful that we can go to God. And that if we, if, when we cry out to him, he's right there. We just have to cry out to him. But look here in verse 51. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. The wind ceased, and they were so amazed in themselves, beyond measure and wonder. They were so amazed. Now they just, keep in mind, they just watched him. They watched Jesus feed 5,000 men with so little. They were so amazed, beyond measure. But watch this. Why, why were they so amazed at that? After they had just seen Him do such a great miracle just right before. This is why, and this is what the Lord's put on my heart to preach tonight. Verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And why did they not consider that? For their hearts was hardened. For their heart was hardened. If you'd listen the Holy Spirit of God and listen to what I have, what God's given me. I'd like to preach a message to you tonight on the hardened heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that the God of heaven that spoke this world into existence wants to talk to me. Father, you want to hear from me? But Father, I need to hear from you tonight. I'm thankful that Father, every time I want to talk to you, whatever it may be, whether I want to praise you, whether I want to cast my cares upon you, whether I just need you, Father, you're there and you want to hear. But Father, I ask that you would meet with us tonight. Father, fill me with your power. I need you, Lord. There's nothing I can do or say here tonight. Father, do what only you can do. Pray you bind Satan by the blood of Jesus. Father, speak to hearts in only the way you can. Oh God, please meet with us for your honor and your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. What an amazing miracle to feed 5,000 with so little. We know this story, but I want you to stay with me. I want you to think about this. You know, it would do us good if we'd get rid of this stuff and get rid of distractions and all these different things. I mean, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse in America today. Look, I don't even... I, the, the less I allow things to distract me, the more God can work in my heart and He can change me. 
Because Satan is, is a master manipulator. He's a master deceiver and distractor, even with good things and that, that takes us away from God. But think about this. We need to spend some more time alone. We need to spend some more time while we're driving. Instead of One of the worst things we could have ever had was a podcast. People's like, oh, I love to drive. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to this. I'm listening to that. Why don't you just listen to God once in a while? Why don't you just have a desire to hear from him? Why don't you just have a desire to communicate with the one that spoke this world into existence? The one that created you, the one that saved you if you are saved. But we get so wrapped up in all these other things. But you see, what an amazing miracle to feed 5,000 with so little. Do you really understand? Do you really believe this? Let's be honest. God knows the truth. God knows the truth. You, ain't, you may be fooling everybody else. But God knows the truth. Because your actions will show it. If you really believe it. The proof's in the pudding. What's in the well will come up in the bucket. When it comes down to it, if you're here last night for the prayer meeting, Pastor Decker mentioned, actually it was last spring, a year ago, spring in April, I preached in this tent in a tornado because God gave me a message to preach and, and the tornado sirens went off seven times. But God said, I told you to do something. I gave you a message. I want you to deliver it, even if it's only to your own family. And I respect, I'm a local church guy, and I respect the pastor. And when the pastor asked me, I said, look, you do whatever you want to do. You're the pastor. But God's told me, he's given me something to do, and I'm going to do it. And after seven times, even when I first got up to preach the last time, it went out. God met with us in such a great way that night, because I knew that God told me to do something. And I, I believed him. I believed him. Regardless of what everybody else was saying, regardless of what any man was saying, I knew what he'd give me to do. And look, at, there's been many other things that God has brought me up to that point. That he's shown himself real to me. But you see, without a, with a hardened heart, that, that doesn't happen. And, I'll, and you're, we'll get to that in a minute. Do you really understand? Do you really believe this? Has God shown himself real to you? Has God shown Himself real to you? Is God real to you? You know, when I've sold the farm and left everything and left my big job and, and all these different things and when God called me and, and turned my life right side up at 38 years old and to be a nobody preacher, I asked God. I said, God, what do I have to do so that I don't lose my two oldest boys? Because they resent us doing the, this. And he said clear as day to me, you do everything in your power that I can show myself real to them. And that'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And I have. And we've watched God show himself real to us time in and time again and time again. But you see, our problem is we got to let go of the rope. 
We gotta let him. We gotta, we put, we've got everything set in so much. We've got so many churches that God can't work in. They've got the Holy Spirit of God locked up in the back closet. They'll say they don't, but they do at the end of the day. But they've got all their money set up and all these different things, and they've got this set up, and I don't need this, and all these things. But God's out there. And they say they don't want to. And you know the sad part about it is they really do. I, I believe, you know. They don't even understand what they're doing. They're blinded to it. But I want to show you something here in a minute that God just showed me this afternoon, part of this. And God gave me this message a while ago, but watch this. Have you personally seen His miracles? Can I ask you, why not? Are you not good enough? Does He not love you enough? That's not the case. My Bible tells me different than that. He wants to. He wants to show Himself real to every single one of you. He wants to show Himself real to these young kids. All these different things. I'll never forget the day when Josiah, it's been, it was early on. It was probably five, six years ago. He's 11 years old. I think he was five or six years old. And he wanted to, he wanted to go to Cracker Barrel, just our family. Not with a preacher. Not with somebody else from a church. Just our family. I said, buddy, you pray about that. Within a month, I had a man put $100 in my hand and said, you take my, your family out to eat. He was so excited about that. And you know what? When we finally went out to eat, when God showed me the time to go out to eat where we were in New Mexico, I said, I believe the Lord would have us to do this. To go this Friday. I had never been there before. All I ever knew, all I knew was the pastor and his wife. Never been in that town in my life. And we went out to eat, and I said, you order whatever you want, you don't even have to get water. And, he's, and we, the food came, and my wife and daughter was in the, rest, or in the restroom, and the waitress says, sir, I just want to let you know that your bill's been taken care of. I still to this day have no idea. I was a soul winning the next day. The pastor... And they had a testimony time. And I asked, I, I made sure I could see the pastor and his wife, and I gave that testimony because I wanted to see their reaction. And their reaction was just like everybody else. It wasn't them. It wasn't them. God just wanted to show himself real to a little boy and to this man that really thought he trusted him a whole lot more than he did. Because my heart was hardened. So many times we, we, we think we know, but we don't really know. Can I say, we don't know what we don't know. That's deep. We don't know what we don't know. Think about that for a second. Your perspective is only so big. Church, the greatest things, one of the things we do is we do missions trips. We bring churches out of the south and out of the east and out of the midwest out west on missions trips, the eye affected the heart. We need to get out of our comfort zone. That's why I do this. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of expense. We just were going over some things today. We spent $12,000 in diesel fuel last year, or this year so far. Have you personally seen his miracles? Why not? 
Does he not want to? That's not the God I serve. It's because you have a hardened heart. Can I say that? You have a hardened heart. Can I say that I've had a hardened heart much, too much, and I still do sometimes? Folks, can I say if we're going to see anything happen here under this tent, we need to deal with this right now and right tonight. We need to deal with this and we need to be honest with ourselves and God. You know, I'm not even asking you to be honest with me. I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with God and just admit and let God show you how your heart's hardened. And I'm going to be real with you. You know what? I hope you say after I leave here that Brother Mike Fiedler, he's real. He wants to be real. I try to be transparent with different things. But you know what? I looked up today, hardened. You know what hardened means? It means to render stupid. That's one of the things. I'm serious. That's from the Esau. That's, that's out. I look, that's in the Greek. You look up the Greek. You, you go. I challenge you to look up hardened in the Strong's. It means hardened, blinded, and to render stupid. I promise you. It's, it appears five times, four other times in the Bible. Four other times. Two other times as the word hardened. Two other the times as blinded. Blinded. Did you hear me? Blinded! That means you can't see. That means you don't realize it. I just came from South Dakota helping a blind preacher. A blind pastor pastoring a church. God's using it in a great way because he understands how much he needs God. Because he can't see. But you see the same thing. We need to realize how much we're blinded in certain ways. How much our hearts are hardened in certain ways. If we're going to see God do something here, if we're going to die to ourselves, if we're going to humble ourselves enough to admit that we're blinded about some things, our hearts hardened about some things. He said, here's a personal testimony of mine, of how my heart was hardened. Just one way. I grew up Catholic. Neither one of my uh, neither one of my parents ever met their real father. So my family, all kinds you you can imagine. But you know what? They're great people, and they just need Jesus. They just need Jesus. But you know what? My dad never met his real father, and his his stepdad was an alcoholic. He didn't ever, he dropped out of high school, his junior year of high school, but he has a bachelor's degree and he's worked hard. And you know what? I remember the day that the Holy Spirit of God told me, you need to call your dad and tell him thank you for the things that he did teach you, the things he did. He taught me how to work hard. He taught me character. And he, I remember I said, no, Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to. Because we didn't have a relationship. We didn't talk. We talked sometimes just when we had to. But we didn't just like call each other. We didn't just have conversations. We didn't have those type of things. But he didn't know any better. 
But you see, and I don't say that so you think any ill of my father, because my father is one of the best men. I mean, he's a good man. But you know what? I finally wrestled with God. And I finally called him and I said, Dad. I said, Dad, I just want to call and thank you for what you did. Teach me to work hard. Teach me character. He didn't say anything. And I said, thank you. And I said, you have a good day. Well, then fast forward after I surrendered to sell everything and to sell the family farm and all these things. And, and there, there's uh, 2016, I was driving to Kentucky. And the Holy Spirit, I praying. I was praying for my dad to get saved. My kids would pray every single day for their papa to get saved. My oldest son that's at college right now, March 3rd of 2013, started a revival at our church because he cried for two hours at an altar that, is, that God would save his papa. Now he's living with him. And they have a great relationship. And you know what? I thought I was fine. I had just sold my family farm. I'd quit my job. I just surrendered to God. I said, oh God, use me. I want you to do whatever you can. Do whatever is much with me. I just want to be used of you. Oh, why my heart was hard and tore my dad. I was driving down the road. It's like the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, the Holy Spirit told me, you call your mom. And they were supposed to come out and visit us for Christmas that year. Our first full year doing this. And I called my mom. She was at work and said, Mom, what you guys doing? Do you know when you're coming out? And she just bust into tears and says, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. My mom and I are close. I'm not afraid to admit I'm a mama's boy. But you know what? She just kept saying, I said, Mom, what's wrong? She goes, we're not coming. Your dad said, we're not coming and we're not coming to visit you because of what you're doing. Do you know what? I got off the phone with her. It's like the Holy Spirit of God just sat down next to me in the car seat and says, you don't really believe that I can save your dad or change him. In your heart, and in, in that I can change your relationship. And I just, I bust out in tears driving down the road. I said, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. Please. That day, from that day forward, it changed my life. It changed my life. God's never been the same to me since. And God continues to grow me, continues to show me. It's like the blinders just were taken off. But I wanted to. I thought I was doing the right 
thing. I had gotten to church. He had answered prayer. He was doing things. He was using me, but I didn't even realize. I didn't even know what I didn't know. Because my heart was hardened. And that's just one example of it. In, in, it was maybe a year and a half later, he, tech, he emailed me. And he says, I'm tired of this. I just want to talk. I went over and I talked and I shared the gospel with him. I, I, I apologized to him for all the things that I did wrong in my life, even though I was believing a lie from Satan and literally justifying it because he's the, he's the dad. He shouldn't do that. No, it doesn't matter. I was still wrong in what I was doing. But my heart was hard in all that time. And, and continued. And you know what? It become then to where I could call him on the phone instead of him giving the phone to my mom. He would answer the phone. Do you know what? Last September, just a little over a year ago, he met us in Ohio and heard me preach, come to hear me preach for the very first time. And I believe and I know without a shadow of a doubt that none of that would have happened if I wouldn't have got my heart right and because I realized how my heart was hardened toward Him. And I could go on and on and on and I'll share one other thing in a minute, but you know we have so much more to do. There's so much, but we, we haven't even started because our heart's hardened. We think we're okay because we come to church. We think we're okay because we do that and do that. Can I tell you? Can I say that you know what? That's the exact same thing that we did in the Catholic church. That's the exact same thing that they do in the Catholic Church. What do you do for Christ? Not you, not someone else. We do some work and different things like that. I do some drywall work and I, I tell preachers, I said, I only drywall in mud for Jesus. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for Him. Trust me. Trust me. We forget. We forget because something bigger or seemingly bigger or newer comes along. We, we, we see God do something in our life and then what is it? A matter of we're about like the children of Israel in three days we're murmuring again. Right? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. If we don't get honest here, and we don't get real here, we might as well just close up shop right now and stop this. Honestly. I'm not playing games. I'm not, I'm not here. There, there's Honestly, because what's the use of just playing church? What's the use of just playing games? What's the use of any of that stuff? We just need to see God do something in America. And He's looking for some men and some women that will get real. And there's some, a lost and dying world, some people that are searching out there. And I've seen it. God told me last year we spent and we went searching for them. God told me, look, you go and you set up that tent and you do eight day meetings. He told me exactly eight day meetings. And people thought I was crazy. But you know that? That's alright. There's a lot of people that think I'm crazy in Northwest Ohio for what I walked away from and what I did. But that's okay. Because God knows the truth. But you see, how does our heart get hardened? How does it get callous? How do we get blinded to these things? What does that? Honestly, what does it? Number one, it's a lack of a relationship with God. 
It said in verse 46, Jesus prayed. Not the disciples. Verse 46, it says Jesus prayed. Never said the disciples prayed. What's the most important part of a relationship? It's communication. It's prayer. It's communicating with Him. Do you even know God? I'm not saying, I didn't ask whether you're saved, but Paul says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. I would be likely to say, I said this last Sunday, I believe with all my heart that 90% of the people that sit in church today don't really know Him in an intimate way. 90%. I'm just saying from what I've seen, the proof's in the pudding. Know Him. Know Him enough that it doesn't matter what this government does. It doesn't matter what comes like COVID again. It doesn't matter what storms or weather or any of that kind of stuff. But that you believe God like Paul believed God. Because that he wanted to know Him and the power of His resurrection. The power. You can't know the power of His resurrection unless you know Him first. That's why they're in that order. The lack of a relationship with God. Not just going to church. Not just walking with God, checking off a box, reading your Bible, praying, now I lay me down to sleep. That's what I did when I was a kid. But you know what? I'm talking about know Him in an intimate way. Would it be, as the preacher said, that meditating on what He did for you and how much He loves for you would bring you to tears? Can I share with you? I asked him a couple years ago, God, give me tears for souls. God, give me tears for what you did for me. And you know what? It's pretty amazing. He will. If you want it. You're only as close to God as you want to be. You can be fool. You think you're fooling people. You don't understand how blind you are. You don't understand how hard your heart is. You don't have to be like me and have that against somebody or something like that or whatever. Your heart can be hardened just like the disciples. But you know what? It's not about that it's hardened. Oh, I don't want to admit my heart's hardened because what would people think? Well, you know what? People might think you love the Lord and you just want to get right with Him and that you're tired of playing and all this other stuff. That you just want to see something real because that's what a lost and dying world is after. They don't even care. I tell preachers all the time, I was like, you know what? In a lot of places, don't even just send out a thing about, hey, we just send out things and we just think, oh, people's going to come to church. No, can I tell you a secret? They don't care about church. And you know why they don't care about church? It's because they don't like what they see from Christians. That's what some of them are. Because you know what? It should break our hearts that we really should not even be called a Christian because we're not Christ-like. I'm not Christ-like. I'm not even close to Christ-like. When I start thinking about being Christ-like and I start thinking about being a man of God, like oh God forgive me please help me because I'm not either one I'm not I want to be but you see a lack of relationship with God gives us a hardened heart 
Not being real. Number two, not being real, a fake, a hypocrite. You know, it... it let me ask you something. Isn't it a lot easier when you do one thing? You know, we're, we're, if you do something once and get away with it, your heart becomes, gets hardened. Think about that. When, when, when you come to church and your heart's not prepared... You come to church and you're just there to, to, to be there so that everybody else don't think anything and, and whatever. I don't know what it is with you. And you get away with it. Nobody says anything. Nobody calls you out on it. God doesn't do anything to you. At least that you know. Or that you think. Then your heart gets hard and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. Because you're being a fake. You're being a fake. Look, I understand I'm a hypocrite. I don't want to be. But you know what? I don't want to come to church. I don't want a day to go by that I get up. I should, it should pain us if we, if we get to the end of the day and we haven't walked with God. We haven't truly walked and we haven't talked with Him like He wants to. I'm not saying just in the morning. Walking with God each day in and out. We should be praying without ceasing as the Bible says. Praying without ceasing. Not saying hi to Him in the morning and, barely, and maybe saying something to Him at a meal and then at night, barely. But you know what? Don't we need Him in this world? Or are you just still doing it yourself? Or are you putting your faith in everybody else but Him? Think about it. That's what's happening today. That's what's happening among Christians. That's why God doesn't show up. Because our heart's hardened. He, look, he looketh upon the heart. He knows the truth in here. He knows what's in here. He knows more with me than my own wife that she's been married to me for 21 years. Not being thankful. We're spoiled. Verse 41. Selfish. They are selfish. The, the, the disciples were selfish. Not being thankful. How many times do we really think about what God's done for us? How many times when we have testimony time, you can't get anybody to say anything because you're not really thankful. You're, you're literally trying to drum up something because you feel bad. Let's be honest. Not, oh, me, 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 God did this. I can't believe that God would die for a sinner like me. Now I couldn't believe in all these things. And, and then when somebody does that, they're like, what kind of nut is that? We all know that. Right? You've thought that before. I have too. Let's be honest. Shame on us. Shame on us. Do we want revival or not? Do we want God to change hearts of Alabama? Do we? Do we want God to change us? Do you think you need to change? This preacher needs to change more than I know and more than I want to admit. But this preacher needs to change. And I'm thankful that I'm not the man I used to be. I was saying at lunch, I was telling about meeting my wife. They were asking some questions. I'm like, you don't even want to know the husband that I was. 
when we first got married. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a dad. But you know what? My God has taught me and he's changed me and he's even made me a better son. And now I can't even hardly get my dad off the phone when we're talking. Just turned 70 years old. About to have a 50th wedding anniversary by the grace of God for my parents in June. Number four, how our hearts get hardened. It's not forgiving. Not forgiving. We can go to that, but for the sake of time, I feel like not, but 56 times in the Bible, the Bible talks about forgive, or the word forgive, not including forgiving or any different things. But the Bible says, I'm going to read it real quick in Matthew 7, Matthew, or Matthew 6. Matthew 6. It's very clear, there's no interpretation here. Matthew 6 and verse 14, the Bible says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What's that do to you? Does does that convict you at all? How about the ones, will you justify it? We're so good at justifying things. Who's hurt you? Who's not done things for you? Who's not whatever? You know what? I justified it for 39 years. 39 years. And it was hindering me more than I knew. I was blinded to it. Because I wouldn't forgive, I wouldn't forgive him. I had forgiven him for certain things. But you know what? You know how you can really know if you forgive somebody? Do you want to pray for them? Do you want to pray for them? You haven't truly forgiven somebody unless you want to pray for them. You want to pray for them. I'm not saying there's no excuses. There's no excuses that you want to pray for them. But your heart gets harder. Each month, each year that goes on, your heart gets harder. And Oh, that doesn't affect me. Baloney, it does affect you more than you know because you're blinded to it and Satan's using it in a greater way than you can even understand. Lastly, the way your hearts get hardened is you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never put your trust and faith in Him for the payment of your sin for eternity. And you know, it talks about it, and I don't care, many people, everybody down here knows it. Last year at this time, God told me, we were at our home church, God told me on a Sunday night just like this, He told me, I was supposed to go meet with one of the assistant pastors and a bunch of the people were going to come over and eat with us to see us because we're never there. And I told my wife, I said, you text uh, her and you tell her that we can't come over because God wants us to go here. And then you text Miss Sarah, our pastor's sister, that we're coming over there. We're inviting ourselves over there to challenge her with something. So my wife did. We went over there and I challenged her with something. About midnight that night, she ended up getting saved and she's my age. She's been in church her whole life. How many people are really like that? 
God knew. That's why we have to be obedient to Him. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. But you see, how's your heart hardened? We could go over many, 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 many things, and I'm going to close with this. Just recently, this year, this summer, another illustration of the context of, of, of what we read here about how they had saw one thing and they got so used to God doing something just like it have in the South, in the Bible Belt. I got so used to God providing Got so used to God showing Himself real. Month in and month out. Year in and year out. And I could tell you stories. I could write a book on it just in seven years. It's amazing. Not because of me. Just because I let God. But I'd hate to think about the times that much more that I've lost out on because I haven't let God. I haven't believed Him. My lack of faith. But listen to this. I was preaching in Washington at a family camp with several other preachers. I had just preached a revival in December, last December, right before Christmas, an eight-day revival up there for a church uh, in Sandpoint, Idaho. The preacher, I mean, God was all over it. That preacher, that church was at this uh, family camp. He preached, I preached, several other preachers preached. I mean, these men walked with God. And I mean, God, we watch God do great things at, at the revival up there. In, in, in there's, but God gave me this. And, and you know, I just, I've watched God do so many things. And I started to get comfortable. I was blinded and, and I go into that. And, and there, there's, I, there, there's, I preach this message and God used it. There's people at the altar. There was people, I mean, literally people were coming up to me. I had a lady come and ask me to, to uh, preach a youth camp. They're out there next year and, and all these different things. This guy comes to me in tears and all these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, because I knew in my heart that I wasn't completely right with God. That I was just, my heart had gotten a little hardened from watching God work. And I, I started trying to do it myself. But I justified it by those other people that God had worked on in spite of myself. The next morning, that pastor friend of mine that pastored in Idaho said, said Brother Mike, he says, you just seemed like you were a little off last night. Is everything okay? And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm being real with you. I got, I got a little bit upset with him. Oh, no, 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 I, no, everything's fine. The Holy Spirit of God just, just about ripped my heart out. I knew it wasn't because I knew my heart had gotten hardened to about God doing something. Then I went to his church the next Sunday and I asked him to forgive me. And I told this story. I'm preaching this message that my heart was hardened just like the disciples. You know what? If the disciples' hearts can be hardened, why can't we just admit that our hearts harden in different ways? Can I, can I say this? It's not if your heart is hardened. It's how. 
I ask you tonight, do you really want revival? Do you really want God to do something in your heart, in your life, in and through you? Let's just get this settled once and for all. How's your heart hardened? Let's pray. Father.